Welcome to the Hit Local Play Global podcast, where we sit down and showcase the great people in the Victorian tennis community. I'm Sean O'Kane, and I'm joined here by Ash Ryan. Welcome, Ash. Thanks, Sean. It's great to be here on the intro. Ash, you better let people know what you do at Tennis Vic. Of course, I am part of the marketing team and we are currently gearing up for Premier League. Funny you mentioned Premier League. We have a exciting guest on today who is playing in that competition for Kuyong Lawn Tennis Club and has an awesome story to tell. And it's none other than Belinda Woolcock. Yeah, you guys pumped her up so well last week. I couldn't handle the suspense and I knew that she was coming on the show. Belinda has represented Victoria and Australia and has won a college tennis national championship with the University of Florida. It's quite the resume. She's got some fantastic stories to tell about all of those three things plus more. So let's hear from Belinda Woolcock on a Hit Local Play Global podcast. Welcome to the Hit Local Play Global podcast. We're here with Victorian star tennis player Belinda Woolcock. Welcome, Belinda. Thank you very much, Sean. It's great to be here. Belinda, where did your tennis journey start? Where was your first club? My first club was actually in Glen Waverley in Victoria at a club called Legend Park Tennis Club. My great uncle, Will Coughlin, coached me there from the age of five. I was hoping to get on the court even earlier with my youngest, with my older sisters having lessons there uh, growing up. And he eventually gave in to all my whinging and said, yeah, all right, let's get you on court. And yeah, that's where it all started. Was there any other sports for you growing up or was it always going to be tennis? No, I actually, uh, I was really into a lot of different sports growing up, uh, especially track and field. So I did compete in track and field um, at the local club as well at Nutterwadding. Um, so that was a really good balance. And then I also loved playing other sports in school, uh, such as basketball or soccer. I just felt it was a really good way to learn different skills and just have a great balance and social network as well. I definitely loved the fact I could play all different sports, but tennis was definitely the one I had my eye on. <laughs> That would have been at the, was it the Bill Suet Athletics track in Nunawada? Yeah, that's the one. Yep. Yeah, oh, exactly. Awesome. So I had that nice green Hulk coloured uh, jersey on for all the uh, all the reps um, and the competitions. And back when your actually office used to be Olympic Park track. That's go- Yeah, that's going back a few years now. How long were you at Glen Waverley before you, you started to move uh, across to Kuyong? And was there anything in between? Will used to coach me um, from the age of five, he coached me up until about the age of 14 or just earlier, maybe 13 to 14. He had a very extensive tennis career as well as my great aunt on my mum's side. That's where kind of the tennis interest came into play. But I did used to go to a Milo squad at the Melbourne Park back when that was taking place. And I also then started to play some more tournaments, um, especially more state level and national level and that's when Tennis Australia picked me up. A coach named Bernie Gerlitz actually contacted me and I ended up getting a spot in a squad at the Melbourne Park again but more of a selection squad and that's kind of where the journey started. Fantastic and those those tournaments that you played were they annual for you like tournaments around Victoria? Yeah so my mum was 
definitely the taxi driver of the family. I used to be the director because she's terrible with directions. I used to have the mailways out. I used to direct the fastest route to whether it was Donvale Tennis Club, where te- I, I was a part of Waverley Tennis as well. So where Lynn Gillen um, holds Waverley Tennis, she was a huge part of my development as well. So I used to go to the uh, squad at East Burwood Tennis Club, which was also near the Nutterwadding track and field so I used to go there a couple days a week in a squad format also and then yeah as for tournament travel like you said in in the state I used to bounce from tournament to tournament for juniors Um, I would say tournaments kind of started around the age of nine or ten I remember looking back my first trophy was probably like ten and under or nine and under probably my most proud moment (laughs) you still got that one around the house uh, I know mum does for sure. Yeah. <laughs> she, she always asks me, oh, do you want me to get rid of any old trophies? And I say, oh, it's up to you. I don't really mind, but I know for a fact they're stored away somewhere in her house. Did you have a, a great memory that you, you remember about playing in these tournaments, something that sticks out? I would say these tournaments um, were great for a community, like especially Waverley Tennis. There were definitely some times when we used to play um, other districts. I really enjoyed that, just the team culture. I've always really thrived in that kind of environment and being able to socialise with other tennis players my age was really fun and playing doubles and singles and mixed, it was really enjoyable. That was definitely a huge highlight. And then also I'd say another highlight was my first time I represented my state, that was in Tasmania. And that was a really um, cool experience as well, like wearing the tennis fit gear and getting all the, the merchandise. I thought that was really fun. What age were you when you represented Victoria? I would have been about 12 years old. So yeah, I'd always been dreaming of that time I could get that gear. And then when it happened, um, it was really cool. But uh, it was definitely hard. We we got to the final, but unfortunately lost to Queensland, who had a very, very strong team in the final. But yeah, a very fun experience. Now, nah, awesome. We'll have a chat about a uh, a fellow Queenslander that you might have played with in the Australian team a bit later. But I just wanted to ask you beforehand, who was your tennis hero growing up? When I was actually 12 at the Australian Open, Martina Hingis um, was doing some signatures and I got um, invited, I think it was believe through Tennis Australia as one of the upcoming junior players um, to go meet her in person and have a little chat and get a signature. And I wore that hat with her signature on, I think, for every tournament for good luck. But I just loved her poise and I loved her game style and her personality. And yeah, she was definitely one person that I looked up to when I was growing up. How cool is that? Do you remember what you said to her or what she said to you? All I know is that I couldn't take the big smile off my face. <laughs> Back then I was quite shy, so I assume I probably didn't say too much, but I definitely had a big grin on my face. <laughs> so we'll fast forward to 2011 and it's nearly 10 years to this day. You yeah. represented Australia at the Junior Fed Cup titles over in Mexico. What were your memories of this? How old were you and did you fly over as a team? Uh, that was an incredible experience, if not one of my biggest moments I was I was proud of growing up, especially at that age, I was so young. So the Junior Fed Cup, I believe I was about the age of 16. And then the team, obviously now world number one, Ash Barty and another Australian. So there's three of us. And uh, it was really great. We got to travel as a team. So we competed in Mexico, but we actually trained in Palm Springs for about a week, two weeks, just to... Uh, climatized the the heat was 
brutal, obviously. And then as well as that, the altitude was quite high. So we had to get um, gain a little bit more insight into the conditions as as juniors, you don't really acknowledge those little factors. And then it wasn't until we went there, I was like, okay, wow, this is really good that we're, we're training here. So we got to stay in this beautiful resort. But yeah, it was a great little crew and we got some great insight from the coaches and the coaches were really supportive um, through being comfortable in, in one of the biggest overseas trips I'd gone on. And yeah, so we went to Mexico after the training block and in the actual week of competition, it was just incredible wearing, you know, the green and gold and, and in being in a little athlete village, it was very cool. Mind you, the conditions were a little bit different in Mexico where we were, there was a few incidents that, you know, occurred just in the, the um, politics and everything. So the US team didn't actually come over for that reason. So there was a little bit of upset. We were expected to probably play them in the final, but we ended up actually playing Canada in the final. And, yeah, it was an incredible moment winning that and being able to play with Ash in the doubles and then also in singles and I believe that singles match I played in the final was one of my best matches I'd played played at a junior event. I just played and executed every shot so well and just couldn't believe that I had played so well in such a big stage. So, yeah, as a junior, that was definitely my biggest highlight. I can see the smile on your face and a lot of the reports from 10 years ago said that was a really great game for you and you obviously contributed to that final quite heavily. Talk to me about the atmosphere of when you won, like were there crowds there? You played Mexico in one of your first games, in the pool games as well. So surely there would have been a home crowd advantage for them too. Absolutely. When we played Mexico, that was really tough. I found in the final, I played a girl called, who plays still now, Carol Zhao, um, Canadian. She was higher ranked than me, like a top junior player in the ITF ranks. Um, so that was a huge upset for me to be able to beat her quite comfortably. Um, but when we did play Mexico, even though the, the players weren't as highly ranked, I played a girl and the crowd and everything was roaring. I ended up going to, I believe, three sets. It was a really tough match and I got through it, but it was a lot harder to compete against Mexico than it was in the final. But in the final, the crowds were great and the cheering and the coach, um, Ken Richardson, was our coach for the women's side. And he was awesome, you know, a beautiful soul and very supportive, huge experience behind him and very helpful in those big points and those big situations. And how many of there were you as part of the team with both the men and women? Yeah, so there was um, three girls and three boys and then there was a coach for each team. And then on top of that, there was also um, one or two other staff members or um, strength and conditioning trainer. So, yeah, just just under 10 people in total that travelled. And, yeah, we just did everything together, whether it was hotels or food, just to kind of gain that that good team environment and did activities outside of the tennis. And yeah, it was just really good to connect with everyone. And then the 10 of you came back and was the reception great when you got home? The biggest highlight was, or definitely the funniest moment was when um, we won the trophy. We were able to get big Mexican hats. I can't remember the name of them, sorry, but yeah, I had three of them that I, they were beautifully detailed and I was like, I can't just leave them here. You know, I was obviously given them as a prize. So somehow I was like, well, they can't fit in my suitcase. So I wore them stacked on top of each other through customs 
through the airport looking like a complete idiot, but <laughs> it was completely worth it because I remember using those hats back Down home, track. For, you know, friends' <laughs> birthdays and everything. So definitely a huge highlight. Highlight were the, the hats I got to take home as well. That's brilliant. What an experience. And so you come back home and you, you're you playing at Kuyong at this stage and you're part of the academy. Talk to us a bit about the, the National Academy because you were there the 2009 to 2013? Yes, that's correct. So Kuyong Foundation supported me. I was able to get a scholarship at the club um, when I was a junior as well. I believe I was about the age of 14. Um, so And I still am today. So they were able to provide me with that and was able to play competition pennant Premier League, use their facilities for training. And then on top of that, Tennis Australia gave me a scholarship. And I was actually part of the, when there was an Australian Institute of Sport, I was given a scholarship and that was just about VCE time. So it was a really, it was a really busy time. And to be able to get a scholarship um, through them was amazing. And it was the first time they had relocated to the Melbourne base uh, so I didn't have to go to Canberra um, because I'd just built all of the NTC facility so it was actually kind of refreshing to be able to stay home but I so I started doing the distance education for VCE so year 11 and 12. Prior to that I went to Wesley College in Glen Waverley so it was a little bit of adjustment um, it was hard because I definitely enjoyed the social life and the balance of school but it was really great to be able to travel and play junior tournaments, ITFs in Europe and Asia in my junior career whilst also studying. Um, it was a lot easier. But, yeah, it was those years as well, like you said, on those years I spent with National Academy were great with the support, got all the staff to look after you. It's just a matter of developing as a person as well and then gaining the skill set to then do it yourself as a adult and a professional tennis player. From this experience that you've had for across the four years with the academy, you you then go towards signing for the University of Florida. Talk to us a bit about how that recruiting process worked. I think that was one of the um, biggest decisions I, I had to make during my career. To be honest, it was all done through myself and my dad, <laughs> Jeff. Luckily, my dad was very helpful with the academic side. He's quite academic himself going to the University of Melbourne and really valuing obviously that balance and having that degree behind you just in case you know you're not sure where tennis goes if you get an injury or even if you just want to change pathways it's always good to have a great balance for me that was has always been a big factor I always wanted to study and I didn't want to just focus on one thing um, whether it's on the road playing tournaments, you always have time to study. You're not going to be playing matches and training all day. And it's good just to have that mental stimulus away from the court. The process itself, I didn't go through a recruiting agency or anything. I did it all myself um, with my dad. Ray Ruffles actually um, was coaching me for a couple months prior to going to college. And he'd spent a lot of time in America himself, as well as um, I also got a lot of assistance through the head coach at the Brisbane uh, Tennis Centre now, Chris Marnie. He used to work in Melbourne and he helped me with that going to the University of Tennessee himself. Um, he was friends with the head coach at the University of Florida. So Chris and Roland were, were actually competitors back in the NCAAs themselves and top college athletes. So I actually was able to get in touch with the head coach through Chris and other coaches had constantly emailed me and contacted me to try to get me to visit or, 
or sign up. So to me, I know a lot of players experience that and it's very overwhelming because you don't know what to do when you're getting all these coaches just messaging you and emailing you, you know, come to my college. So you just kind of have to take a step back and say, well, look, where are the main things you want to look at as in what climate do you want to be able to train in and play in? Whereabouts in America would you see yourself, you know, as in um, location-wise, like how far or how long do you want to have to travel from Melbourne? Unfortunately, I actually chose the furthest away college I could have from my home, which my mum wasn't happy about. Um, But you've just got to look at all the factors. And then I looked at the fact of the team that was currently at Florida before me going, they had just won back-to-back national championships. So very, very strong team. And the head coach was obviously extremely successful. So it didn't really take me much to go to Florida. I still went to the University of Texas, the University of Tennessee and TCU as well during my visits. And that was just during a tour the tournament tour, I actually added the visits at the end of the tour, came home, reflected, and then made my choice and then ended up going a few months later. What was the one thing that Florida promised you as part of the recruitment that that had it over the other three? The mascot for sure, the Gators. (laughs) The Gators for sure. I would say definitely the weather. There's a lot of schools that spend a lot of the year actually training and competing indoors. And I said, I do not want to do that. I want to be out in the sunshine. I want to be in a nice climate and I want to go to a big sports school. I want to feel the the rush of big football games and big baseball games and volleyball. And I just want to be a part of a huge public school that highly values their athletes. And um, for me, Florida fit that. And Everyone on the the athletic side of things were very helpful. I just believe the resources there are impeccable, like just unbelievable, whether it was for a nutritionist or the physio or sports doctor, a massage, everything was looked after and I couldn't have had a better experience. Fantastic. You go over there, was it was it really hard to leave family and friends back here? Yeah, it was very emotional. Um, If I have to be really honest, in order to cope with that, I said to myself, look, it's not a four-year contract. It's a, you know, I can go there. Worst case scenario, I don't like it. I can come home. I could even go there for a year if I feel like that's enough for me. I I can continue my studies in Australia and I can go back on the tour. I just put no pressure on myself to say, I have to go there for four years. I have to get a degree there. I have to do this and that. I think like with most things in life, it's not good to put all that pressure on yourself. So I said, no, I'll go there. I'll see how I go. You know, realistically, I I was planning to graduate and do the four years. But I said to myself, worst case, it's not good. I can always transfer. I can always come home. Thankfully, I didn't need to do that. And, you know, it was really hard. There was a lot of tears and there was a lot of tears when I had to go back after Christmas breaks or summer breaks um, because I loved I loved Melbourne I love being home but I said to myself it is so worth it you cannot get this opportunity anywhere else in the world the amount of money that those scholarships are worth they calculated on my contract for the year in so academics books and all of the apparel it's worth about 45,000 US a year so that's just to put in perspective how much those scholarships are worth so that's 45k US times four years you're looking at a lot of money so and if you think about the the friendships you can make 
as well and the experiences you, you can have. It's so worth it and I honestly would not recommend it more than anything else during an athletic career. If they have that sport available in college, you have to try, you have to go. No, that's unbelievable, that amount of money. And then obviously, as you've said, the memories and the friendships, you can't put a price on that, can you? Absolutely. And obviously, you can relate to that going to college yourself. It's a great experience. I mean, thoroughly recommend it for anyone, as you've said. So you, you go to Florida, you spend your four years there. Initially, how did you take coping with the demands of practice, gym, competing, class, everything's in this day and you've kind of got to fit 200 hours into a 24-hour day? I would say that is something you definitely have to master is time management. I thought I was good at time management until I went to college. And then I said, wow, this is a huge adjustment. I need to definitely get a hold of this. It definitely took a few months, not only to get used to the humidity and the weather, I also had to get used to used to the load. So like I said, with the resources, they're incredible. So you get given an academic advisor for every sport. They have their allocated academic advisor. And Tom, uh, he was really helpful. So they enroll you in every class. You don't even have to enroll yourself in classes. Your academic advisor did it for me. And then on top of that, they actually provide you the help to select a major. So I was really unsure what I wanted to study going to college. And I knew that I wanted to be in the sport industry more on the admin side or something related to business. So I was able to do my sport management with a minor of business degree. And that was really great because it helped with the, the load as well. So you had to obviously select a major that complemented your tennis load and your tournaments as well. Some majors being too demanding or the schedule of classes didn't fit with your training schedule. So yeah, I used to train for an hour before class, go to class for about four hours. And then after that, then do a two to three hour session, then gym, then go home, then study, and then just repeat that. That was off season. In season, so during what you call is your uh, conference, Florida being in the SEC conference, which is the Southeastern Conference, um, we competed against other schools such as Alabama, Missouri, uh, Mississippi, et cetera. So during the season, you have a match on the weekend. So you have a match usually on a Friday evening, like late afternoon and then a Sunday, um, just to allow that Saturday for recovery and travel. So you're leaving school on a general week, usually depending on where you're going, on a Friday morning or sometimes even a Thursday. So you're leaving half halfway through you know, the week of class. So it's interrupted. You've got to obviously inform your teachers and then you travel to the schools. You miss school for a couple of days. You've got to manage the homework, et cetera, projects, group projects. Then that goes on for the whole season, which lasts from February through all the way to the end of April. It's a lot of things to manage all in one. But again, you have the resources to help you. What do you think the biggest difference was between Australian classes and American classes? The biggest thing was in Australia, you only have to get above a 50% to pass. But in America, you had to get above a 70%, which I thought was just silly. But I believe that the standard was slightly lower, as in difficulty of classes, because of that pass rate. Also, obviously, the sizes of lectures. It was just huge lecture lecture rooms and very different. <laughs> How many do you reckon were in those lecture rooms? 
some lecture rooms there was up to 100, 200 people, which I'm sure you get at your big universities here. But obviously for me, it was very overwhelming going from high school to then that kind of environment. And then obviously then 100,000 people being in a, a sports stadium watching the football game. You mentioned you travelled to the SEC schools and playing them in season. They're obviously hundreds, thousands of kilometres away. Can you give us an idea about how you would get there? Like, are you busing? Are you, how does that all work? It's a good question. So I would say my favourite way to transport was on the private jet. So Florida owned a private jet, which was a 10-seater. Honestly, I felt like a celebrity. So you don't even go to your regular airport. We went to a private airport and you just basically roll up next to the plane in the car and you put your luggage in there and then you hop on and you've got these beautifully nice uh, leather chairs, sit back, recliners, get your food. You know, you don't have to worry about going through all the security and the wait times as well, obviously boarding. So I would say that was my favourite way to travel. I would say we did that a handful of times during the season, especially when we had to travel to tricky locations like Missouri, et cetera, because in order to travel there, sometimes you had to take up to two or three flights regularly, whereas if you just took a private jet, it was much easier. And then other times we took a bus, which we called the Rockstar bus because it was literally a Rockstar bus. You had the front section being a lounge room with flat screens, the middle section being bunks, which had up to about 12 bunk beds with little flat screens in the bunks where you just set up your headphones, you could watch movies um, and you had like a little curtain you could close to go have a nap and had little windows so you could look outside. And then the back section, again, was like our area. The front area was the coach's area. And then the back area, we called it the karaoke end because that's where we usually put the music on and did karaoke or or lip sync battles just to kill the time because when we went on the bus, they were usually the long, longer, you know, six to 10 hour drives. But to be honest, I loved them. It wasn't anything I dreaded. I really enjoyed that. Um, and you just stop on the way to get food. They've got the toilet, little bathroom in there as well. So you don't really have to stop unless you're getting food. That was definitely my, my other favorite way to to travel. And then lastly, which was my least favorite way to travel was just on a regular aeroplane and that would happen obviously most of the time. I would say three quarters of the time and the other quarter being obviously through the private jet or the bus. Unbelievable. I don't even know how you'd want to play any home games. You'd just want to travel every time, wouldn't you? Exactly, absolutely. (laughs) You wouldn't want to make it to your destination either. (laughs) No, absolutely not. But I mind you, even though the private jet was incredible, The worst turbulence I've ever experienced in my life was on that little plane and I thought for a second, is this going to be (laughs) But most of the time it was smooth (laughs) travelling. Florida appears in the NCAA championship the four years that you were there, make the semifinals, the quarters, the round of 16, and then you have this fantastic season when you're a senior. You went 29-11 in singles, 24-3 in doubles. You go all the way to Georgia, make it to the championship and then win the team championship for the NCAA. Can you even give us an indication of how awesome that was to be part of that experience? The NCAA 
championships is something you can't really explain in words. It's such, it's a feeling. Like I think anyone that's competed at the NCAAs in the main event, obviously if you're aware of the system and the draws, the first two rounds of the tennis team event is played at a allocated university and then from the round of 16 onwards is held at the main event which they usually select a really big university with a lot of courts such as Georgia just the atmosphere and the the roaring crowds the fact that you get televised by ESPN in the final all of these factors are something you can't quite explain I think the team environment you you never feel so close to your team because you realize that it's such a big stage it's such a big moment it's what all your training sessions all of the hard work in the gym all of the grueling yeah running sessions in the humidity all the pre-season it, it's this is what it's all for and then when it comes to that that week it's quite physically but mostly mo- mentally demanding with all the pressure but all of the time and lead up is all for that moment and you know when you're ready and we were so ready that year we had a really strong team the previous years but it just didn't quite come together but leading into the last my senior year it just all felt right and it felt like we had every every little percent was just there and it all came together when it when we needed it most it seems like that from the result you've won four zip against massachusetts miami 4-1 texas a&m four zip oklahoma state 4-1 then you beat vanderbilt in the semi which had astra sharma fellow australian and then stanford 4-1 in the championship and you you win the university of florida's fourth women's tennis championship When you came home, was it just amazing in terms of the celebration that they had for you? Yeah, it was. It was amazing. Um, I think obviously being in Georgia, it wasn't too far away from Florida, so we could um, just drive back. So we went back and we had our big rings on and it was just we had the big trophy and because in America they like to, instead of a trophy, they like to give you rings, big diamond rings. I've got them with me actually right now they give you those and you just feel like you're (laughs) you're invincible um yeah just being able to share that moment with with your team who I worked so hard with in all those sessions and the losses that we had you know reflecting on it and seeing how we could get better and we did work on those things and everything came together when we needed it to against Vanderbilt I would say was more of a final than against Stanford because Vandy was always a team that we really needed, we really wanted to be. And they'd obviously won the NCAAs, I believe, the year before. Also, UCLA was one to beat. Stanford, for some reason, they were always ones that not necessarily did well in the season, but when it came to NCAA tournament time, they performed very well. Hence why all of their, the most amount of NCAA uh, tournament wins. But Vandy was definitely our hardest, most challenging one um, because it was very confusing as well because it was moved inside um, an indoor facility with the weather. So we had to adjust. Obviously, your game adjusts when you go indoors. It was grueling conditions, very humid, so you had to be careful of muscle cramps. And actually, Astra got cramps in the third set when I was playing her. So... And I know I did a little bit, but I was able to overcome that match and our team as well were able to win through and 
Then Stanford in the final were great in the doubles, but we just were too good. We we played the best tennis we'd played all year and it all came together. 5,000 people at that Georgia stadium. What was that like? Did a whole lot of the school come because it was so close to Georgia? Did a whole lot of the school come and support? Yeah, that was the great thing. So uh, we had all of my teammates, their families came over, classmates came over because like I said, it was just a drive away. So really nice to be able to see everyone together supporting us. Funny enough, we actually had Renee Stubbs commentating um, for ESPN for the actual final. So I saw her after the match. It was quite cool to know that all of our matches were on TV. So anyone like back in Australia were able to watch. I was really um, happy my my family were able to come over for graduation. But obviously, after graduation, you've got a little bit of a pre-season into NCAA. So unfortunately, I couldn't stay the whole time or come back again. So they missed the NCAA championship, but were able to watch online. And then when I was able to come home and celebrate with them as well, it was incredible. And you were awarded the most outstanding player and the MVP for the the tournament. Do they have something etched in their Hall of Fame? Yeah, absolutely. So I was already an All-American. So being an All-American is a huge honour as a student athlete. So that means that you've won. Don't quote me on this, but you have to have made quarterfinals or semifinals or better in a national event or be ranked in a certain I believe like that top 10, but you have to have gotten certain results in national level events. So your national indoor events, uh, which I'd made the semi-final or final in. And then obviously when I got to the final in the individual event the following week, which I don't know how, how that happened because I think I was just on a high and I knew it was my last time representing Florida, having the gear on. So I just, I was so tired, but I just didn't want it to end. So I think everything in those two weeks were so overwhelming, but so enjoyable. Now, surely you got the private jet flown back from Georgia to Florida. Did that happen or? No, unfortunately not. We we wanted to celebrate in the Rockstar bus because we got to obviously enjoy that a little bit better. We went to, we didn't have to sit down. We could just, you know, dance and do whatever we wanted to. So that was really nice. Funny enough, we actually had to start the individual event the next day. We had no recovery days, which um, I think they're trying to change now to make the individual event another time of the year because it's just brutal, like I said, to have to go into the team's event straight into the individual event. So you can't really celebrate too hard because I had singles and doubles the next day and obviously wanting to do well being, you know, my competitive self, um, I wanted to set myself up well. And obviously I did a reasonable job obviously getting to the the final. In terms of the follow-on from that, so you, you received the 2017 Collegiate Women's Sports Award for tennis, which is the best in, of the best in college athletics. And this was after a thousand NCAA schools voted for you. This was live telecast on CBS. Did you have to go to Los Angeles to be part of that? Yes, that was a huge moment as well. So I was going to Europe for tournaments, for pro events, and I was invited to go to this event. I knew that I was in the selection because I um, announced it. And then when they told me I'd won, it's also called the Honda Cup Award, they told me that I was the winner of it. All of America, I was the best, most outstanding tennis player in the women's side. So I was like, wow, that's 
that's incredible. Like I could just couldn't believe it. Um, so my sister actually came with me to that one. Obviously she would get on the bandwagon to come to Los Angeles. So we were able to have a great time. Um, this is my first time I went on an overseas trip with my sister as well. So, um, but it was a four day thing. Lots of incredible activities really brings women together. It's really empowering. They gave us great insight into community, connecting with the community. And we did a lot of things, fundraisers and then we did a lot of photo shoots and leading into the, obviously the telecast on CBN. And then we also did some interacting events with kids and it was really nice just to be able to connect with people and see how important it is for them to get women together who have competed at such a high level in the college side. I actually was able to share that experience with Katie Ledecky, being an athlete, I think everyone knows who that is. She's a multi-gold medalist in swimming and to be able to share that moment with her, I couldn't explain that. I was able to share that experience with um, a lot of Olympians um, at the Tokyo Olympics. Most of them, at least half of them, were actually just at the Tokyo Olympics. So to be able to share that experience with such highly skilled athletes was incredible. Katie Ledecky, do you still keep in touch with some of these athletes? Um, I do. Some of them, yeah, I've got them just on social media. We just exchange messages and kind words, especially if big events are coming up. Um, but it was just a beautiful, well-planned event. The CEO was just really empowering and it just was amazing experience. I got to meet some really important people there and obviously Honda sponsoring the event. I got to meet um, one of the big um, CEOs of the Honda Group in America and everyone involved who supported it. Yeah, it was a really, really well-organised event. Now, we'll, we'll switch continents now and go yeah, to the Australian sure. Open. You've obviously represented at the Australian Open on numerous occasions. In 2016, how did that go with your college and that balance between playing, obviously, a Grand Slam, but also being a part of Florida as well? Yeah, it was actually an interesting one. I knew that I was a good chance of getting a wild card in the doubles because, or, or possibly the singles, obviously having a really good college performance. I had a really good year and then I ended up getting a wild card with Ellen Perez in the women's doubles and I was just over the moon and I uh, was informed through Tennis Australia. So I had to try and schedule that in, which was quite challenging because obviously with class, it starts early January. So, and you have to be back early January for training and yeah, obviously the school side of things. An interesting conversation with my head coach. He was obviously over the moon that the fact I got into my first Grand Slam, but I had to organise with my all my professors and everything that I was having to stay in Australia for a few more weeks, which I definitely wasn't upset about. <laughs> that experience to be able to compete at a Grand Slam level through my college career, I don't think many people can say that. It's just incredible. And um, I know for a fact I was wearing all my Florida Gators gear and all the training sessions leading up to that. <laughs> Sure, your coach would have been fine after if he knew what was to come. How did that go with your Florida teammates? Did they ask you questions about competing at a Grand Slam, given that it's not very common to be at college and, and also compete at a Grand Slam? Yeah, they were over the moon for me. They sent so many beautiful messages. And when I got back, I was definitely on a big high. Even my professors pointed me out in front of 100 people in classes saying, Belinda here from already being Australian, 
you know, you get a lot of attention. They love your accent. So already I was given a lot of attention and let alone then saying getting into the semester a little bit late from um, Australia. I got a, a lot of people pointed out she just competed in the Grand Slam, everyone just letting everyone know <laughs> in the middle of class. So that was a little bit um, embarrassing, but also I can't admit that I didn't enjoy those little moments. What's been your favourite memory of playing at the Australian Open? I would say my family coming along and supporting me. All of those moments, whether it's, like I said, representing Waverley Tennis, representing Kuyong, or getting my mum in the car with me, travelling to local tournaments, I think the first thought comes to me is all those times that I trained and all those tournaments that I played locally when I was a kid and all those those times I went to the Australian Open as a 10-year-old and watched all the big um, players compete, um, it all suddenly hit me that I was there and I was in that big stage. I think there's tennis players in general are quite hard on themselves being an individual sport. Sometimes we forget to acknowledge our accomplishments and, you know, congratulate, give ourselves a pat on the shoulder. And I think I did a reasonably good job at finally saying to myself, look, reflect on what I've accomplished. My whole life from five onwards, I had been playing tennis. I'd been hitting on the brick wall for hours. I'd been with my first coach, Will, talking strategies, watching matches, and then spending a lot of time in the car going to tournaments and in the plane, going overseas when I was young. It all came together and made me realise all those those hard times, all those tears were worth it. Do you look sometimes at when you're out there playing or when you finish the game, do you kind of pinch yourself to say, wow, I'm out here? Absolutely. One of my other proud moments was when I was able to play the qualifying event of the Australian Open and I got my first singles win in the Grand Slam level and then played the number one seed who was a top 80 player. And it was just amazing to be able to compete against some of the best players in the world. You do really pinch yourself. You say, oh, I saw that that player on TV only a month ago and now I'm on the same court as her. And, you know, during those weeks you get to actually train with a lot of those players. You really do pinch yourself and you just say, wow, like I can't believe I'm right here right now. <laughs> You had an ACL injury in 2018. Was there a lot to come back from that? And like, what did you learn about yourself? That's a good one. Um, I think that was the best thing that ever happened to me. I know that sounds really weird, yeah. but that injury was, I needed it to happen because I needed a little bit of a shake to wake myself up. I think coming out of college, I was definitely on a big high, but I went straight into pro events and just played, played, played. In some aspects, I was a little bit worn out and I think it was a really good way just to reflect and appreciate what I had in front of me. I think there's a lot of times, especially at that age, you know, early 20s, you need to stop and appreciate what's around you. And I think that was a good time to do that. And I think I grew up a lot during that time and really understood more about myself. I got to spend the most amount of time I had for a lot of my tennis career with my family so I got to see my family my nephews got to be a part of that so I think even though it was a grueling eight months of a lot of rehab I was in great hands I had I did everything I needed to do to get back on the court again but I got a lot of time to reflect and a lot of time to spend with my family so I, I wouldn't say I would have changed that. You've hit the reset button there and now you play Premier League 
for yeah. Kuyong and you won in 2019. What was that like? It was a bit scary to play my first matches, but I thought, oh, what a better way. I'll play in a team environment and play for Kuyong. So that was a really good way just to get my confidence up, especially playing doubles a little bit as well. Having a partner is always helpful just to get a little bit your eyes back. But, yeah, that was great. Like I couldn't believe that we got the win and obviously Premier League was always very competitive. Kuyong was very happy afterwards. I know we definitely celebrated afterwards. Is it great to play alongside players that, you know, it doesn't matter what continent they've been in, everyone comes home to play in this event and, you know, it's ahead of the Aussie summer and and everyone's involved and you're kind of playing as part of the club that you'd been through club events for so long? Yeah, it is absolutely. Like the players that play Premier League are Grand Slam competitors. Just to put that in perspective, that's – a really strong league. I believe, you know, players on the men's side, such as the Nasi Kokonakis, Andrew Harris, and other great players were there, Luke Saville. And then on the women's side, we had, you know, Storm Sanders, Dasha, really strong coaches as well. So just to put that in perspective, it's a very strong league. It's really nice just to everyone to come together. It's not very often where people come together, like even Grand Slams, Every month playing matches at different times, you kind of just walk past people, but you can't really catch up. You just There's a lot on the go. But, yeah, the Premier League was a really great time to get everyone together. And obviously where the navy blue, Kuyong, Polo, it's always a nice proud moment to have. No, awesome. And are you looking forward to 2021 and putting on the blue polo again? <laughs> Absolutely, yes. I always enjoyed playing the club championships at Kuyong as well. It's just a really nice time, again, to connect with all the members and everyone that's involved with the foundation. I have been able to win two, but un- unfortunately, but fortunately, I had an Australian Open match that I was playing in with fellow Kuyong player John Pierce. So I didn't play this year's club champs but um hopefully next year as well as big events overseas i'll be playing again thanks for being so great with your time as well you've won the women's singles and doubles championship in the victorian clay courts in april which seems like a lifetime ago now yeah following on we're now late 2021 what do you hope to achieve in tennis in in 2022 I think 22 is a year that i will like to plan and I have some big goals ahead of me. I think 21 as well as 20 have been really mentally challenging. Last year was a matter of, especially for Melburnians, they can relate to this, was a matter of, you know, educating yourself and getting motivated, trying to tick things off the list. This year is just a matter of survival and getting through it. The lockdown's been brutal and put my hat out to all those families that have, especially young families that have gotten through this time. But I think as an athlete, it's been a good time to reflect and appreciate what I have. But I think with the expenses and the risks and the extent COVID is to other countries, I think it's been my best interest to plan bigger for next year. So I'm just doing the best I I can possibly do right now to prepare myself for that. But yeah, it's been very challenging and there's a lot of external factors you've just got to try to ignore and just do what feels right for you and everyone's different. And hopefully, yeah, next year there'll be a lot of um, local events too. I'd love to play some tennis week events and um, whether it's some Platinum AMTs or any other state or interstate events, that would be really great. Uh, well said. 
Lastly, tennis is a global sport. You've played, obviously, around the world in many tournaments, championships. Where is your favourite place to play around the globe? My favourite event I've ever played at is, believe it or not, in Melbourne at the Australian Open because it's my home. But if it's anywhere else around the world, this is a really good question. (laughs) I would say Vienna, Austria favorite city in Europe it was the most beautiful and I got to play an event there in my professional career so a ITF event but the actual city itself was beautiful um, as well as obviously other areas in Europe but I'd say yeah that was my favorite city I've been to so far fantastic thank you so much for your time Belinda really appreciate it and thank you for joining us on the hit local play global podcast Yeah, no worries at all. It's lovely chatting to you today. Well, Ash, it was awesome to sit down and have a chat to Belinda. I still cannot get over those stories about college and travelling in a private jet. Don't forget the rock star bus with the front section, all the flat screens, bunk beds and the back section with karaoke. It's amazing. What a way to travel. And how about the tennis as well? Winning an NCAA national championship for tennis is is such a huge achievement. And the atmosphere in Georgia that Blinder explained, it just sounded unbelievable. And obviously it was on ESPN as well. The atmosphere sounded absolutely incredible. Broadcast live on telly, as will Premier League be. We're very excited. Our grand final is going to be streamed live on KO. You can check that out live on Sunday, the 28th of November at 4pm, which is when our grand finals will start. So we'll have the the women at 4 o'clock and the men at 6 o'clock. So make sure you tune into that. Huge thank you to Belinda for her time and sharing her incredible stories. Belinda, of course, will be playing Premier League in 2021 as part of the Kuyong Lawn Tennis Club team. That begins on Friday, November 19 at Hume Tennis and Community Centre and Bundura Tennis Club. Make sure you tune in and we'll see you there.